You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. Hello everyone, welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third Robin, Tim Drake. We will be looking at the classic 90s 2000 Robin series and other notable comics with Tim in that era, while also simultaneously taking a look at Tim in the modern era as Red Robin in the pages of DC Comics, plus other Robin and Batman happenings in the world. So sit back, relax, and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. This podcast is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. We're part of the Batman Universe podcast network. We're also part of the Batman on Film podcast network that can be found at batmanpodcastnetwork.com you can get a hold of us a few different ways through facebook at facebook.com slash everyone loves the drake we are on twitter at eltd podcast we're on instagram also just look up robin everyone loves the drake and you can email into the show at robin eltd podcast at yahoo.com and we would love to get some emails to be able to read and uh, chat with you guys and if you stay tuned to the end of the episode because i'm recording the this in bits and pieces and terrence is already saying hey wait a minute that's not the intro i recorded with rob and i'll get into that in just a second but a new uh, thing we're going to start doing on every episode now is go through the likes and retweets tweets and shares and messages and emails we get and start reading iTunes reviews. So get all those sent into us and then we can have a discussion and dialogue and you can get to hear your name mentioned if you like and retweet and share and all that wonderful stuff. And, you know, getting emails sent into the show, uh, we're starting to get some of those funneled in and we're going to start reading those. So again, uh, just uh, correspond with us. It's nice to make this more interactive uh, with you, the uh, listener. I want to, wanted to say viewer. But speaking of viewer, we're also on YouTube and we're trying to get that going. So we apologize about that. Uh, Terrence is on the call with us and we had kind of started the show abruptly uh originally ryan and i were going to do this episode and then uh you'll hear in just a little bit uh, his daughter was sick and then it turned out he ended up getting a little sick i was also guesting on holy Batcast, and time uh, that time had come and gone uh andy de genova had kind of overslept so that <laughs> that didn't happen when it was supposed to we were supposed to record the drake at seven and then when Andy kind of overslept. I got a hold of Terrence and I said, because uh, Ryan hadn't let me know at that time that uh, he and his daughter were both sick. So I was like, 
Terrence, is there any chance that you can do it? Because he was going to be out of town. So it's this is totally crazy and bonkers of an episode. So you're going to hear some cuts and splices. Because initially, I was just going to record this as a solo episode. And I actually did record a small chunk of it. And Terrence had recorded a chunk. So you're going to hear a couple little splices. But the main body of this episode is discussed by Terrence and I. So it is kind of a crazy uh, episode, uh, one that we hope you will enjoy. Like I said, the main body of the episode is intact, just like you've come to listen from us. But the beginning and then a couple spots at the end are kind of, okay, Terrence was going to record his thing. I was doing my thing. And then it was like, oh, hey, we can do this all together. But we kind of had done some homework. So I'm rambling at this point. So let's get into the show and you'll hear you'll hear Terrence and I introduce uh, the episode number. And if you're doing your math, you can probably figure out what number this is. And we're kind of like 13-year-old schoolboys with this number. Okay. Anyway, on to the show. Hello. This is the Irredeemable Shag from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. And you're listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. Welcome to episode of the one that comes after 68 and before 70. And that number is Terrence? 69. <laughs> Bill and Ted's uh, favorite number. Yeah. <laughs> episode. This was the one time you didn't have to say, wait, which episode is this again? Right. <laughs> We've been talking about this one for a month. Yeah. I can't wait to get here. So this is going to be the most lewd and no, it's not. It's, 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 Robin. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's Chuck Dixon. It's going to be very mild. Although in a later bit, Stephanie does try and put the moves on Tim, but we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> while hand, while handcuffed to a bed, no less. Right. Hey. So it's, it's hey, oh, it's kind of playing right into our uh, our show. But anyway, welcome to the show, everyone. Um, things have been really kind of busy in the Drake House, so we've kind of pared down the episode uh, a little bit to one single issue. Uh, we made the announcement last week about doing the radio drama, and I have been knee deep in vocal tracks. And I was just hearing the sweet sounds of Terrence's voice a little while ago, uh, getting his part. Um, and who are you playing in the radio drama, Terrence? Uh, a little character known as Anarchy. Yeah. So you and I yeah. get to go uh, butt heads together in one little scene. So we're letting little things out. Of course, you can guess who Ryan is going to be voicing. He's going to be doing Azrael. And in the book, actually, he only has one word, and it's the word no. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote a couple little things. He's going to do a couple other little uh, bits uh, for us. But So I've been working on that. And with just time schedule, initially we were going to do 15 and 16, both back-to-back. But this is actually Tom Grummet's last full interior of the book, so the art does change. So we're going to split this up into two episodes with uh, 69 and 70. We're just going to look at just issue 15 in the Robin series, and then the next episode we will get into uh, 16 as well. Um, how things have been going for you today, Terrence? Going pretty good. Going pretty good. We had daylight savings time today, so like my internal clock is all kind of messed up. Yeah. But um, the last time I think we talked, we recorded something for our sister podcast, uh, Batman and Robin, volume, Eternal Volume 2, and we were trying to get that out for February, and I got to apologize to you. I was not able to get it done. Twice I set up my computer. I had it all set to record. I had Audacity up, everything, and my kid came up to me and said, can you help me with my math homework? And so <laughs> it was kind of – I couldn't say no i have to edit this podcast i was like oh so i missed it so that february issue or episode will become our 
our um, our March episode. And this being episode 69 always reminds me of that classic Bill and Ted where they um, see their future self or their past self, depending on which part of the movie you're in right. at the time. And they say, how do you know it's, a, it's really us? What number are we thinking of? 69. And I had, I had sent get you guys a text like we should do a little something like pretend like we're getting a, a Skype call from ourselves from the future and, and do all that. But it kind of it sounded more funny in a text than actually trying to do it and all that. So it'll, it'll remain one of those like funny ideas we kicked around but never actually like did anything with. But uh, everything's going good. But uh, once again, Ryan couldn't be here. He, he had sent, sent us a message saying he might not be able to make it because uh, his, his little daughter was sick. But apparently, I guess she's given the germs to him because now he's sick as well. Right. So he, he just said, you guys, I'm going to sit this one out. And uh, we've uh, it's been kind of back and forth. What are we going to do? We're going to do it here. Here we're going to do it. But we finally got everything in place to do some podcasts and talk some Robin. Right. Before we're going to do a little backwards here a little bit. Normally we'll get, we get right into some stuff and get a, a topic in out of the way. But I'm staring at the issue right here of Robin 15 and two things pop in my head looking at the front cover of this. We see uh, Tim Drake on the glider, which is kind of a callback to Prodigal where Tim was on the roof. Uh, with Dick Grayson Batman and just couldn't make the leap out there. And there's a little acknowledgement of that. But this also reminds me of the Batman animated series action figure that I have, that the Robin figure comes with this big yellow glider that I lost uh, somewhere, sadly. But what really made me uh, think about this is this is the, the last of an era for Robin, and this is the final full interior issue of Tom Grummet. So I just didn't, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts real quick on Tom Grummet as a whole just leaving the Robin series and kind of where he went and hopefully one of these days we'll get a chance to kind of talk to him and kind of pick his brain a little bit about the Robin series but just as a fan of Tom Grummet the void that it's going to leave for a little bit until we get a a very um, sustained artist on the book for a while. Yeah, you know, I think I've said this on a, an earlier podcast. Tom Grummet holds a special place in, in my heart as far as just art artists go because he was the first artist that I actually could recognize his art and realize that there was a difference. Um, before that, I just kind of like they were just Batman comics. Like I never thought of that they were different artists with different styles and even in like fine art like paintings and and things like that and we realize how people could like look and say like oh that's a picasso oh that's a you know right. uh, leonardo da vinci uh, and but people can tell just by like the the style and tom grummet was the first one i remember seeing uh, a puzzle of uh, of a uh, batman and robin at the warner brothers store that i then bought put together and put on my wall <laughs> um with um and realizing like i i can instantly recognize like oh that's the guy i like like so so he was the first one that i realized that there are different artists and you could just tell who drew it just by looking at it like that blew my mind and uh he quickly very quickly became my favorite artist and i knew he was leaving because in one of the issues it might have been 12 or 13 a couple issues prior they said it in the letter column and that he was going to do superboy full time and it just oh it just crushed me mm-hmm. and i completely forgot but we were talking about like which Tim Drake books we will do and which ones we'll skip. And there were some, you know, mini series and, and plus one titles. And I think you had sent me a text about him doing the world's finest three right. with the team up with him and Superboy. And I forgot. I'm like, oh, yes, bonus Tom Grummet. So this and that's on some really nice paper. Oh, and it's yeah. really nice 
nice artwork. But the thing that I think most impressed me about Tom Grummet on this run is he got better as the the run went on. Like a lot of artists, you, you get kind of they either just flatline and they're just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. But, and I think a lot of it had to do with the, the new inker Ray Kreising really making his artwork yeah. pop. But I felt like he got stronger and the artwork got stronger each and every issue. And, um, we, we love his, his Robin, obviously, but in issue 15, you, you really get to see it because a lot of his run, it, it's not in it. Uh, his Batman, right. his Bruce Wayne, Batman, is fantastic. And he even drew Bruce Wayne Batman a bit different than Dick Grayson Batman and obviously, of course, Jean-Paul right. uh, in the early part of the series. Yeah, I really, it's really sad. And what's the tease is on uh, issue 16, it has Grummet's name on the cover, but he only did the cover for it. Right. And then he opened it up. He was like, oh, no, it's like it's like Christmas morning and you, you see that box and you're like, oh, oh, that's the Atari. That's the Atari. And you open it up and it's like, no, it's a sweater from your aunt. You're like, oh, no, I so it's kind of like that. But yeah, how did you? What were your thoughts on Grummet's artwork? Uh, not to just say ditto, but I I was the same way. Like falling in love with getting the Robin character his own solo books. So we had Tom Lyle uh, through the mini series, but um, I could pick out Lyle for me was the first one that I could pick out and go, oh, that's Tom Lyle. But there was something very. And I don't mean this in a bad way, but there was something so simplistic and so cool about uh, Grummet's art that it, this sounds cheesy to say, it just felt like home, where you go, yes, that's Robin, and I loved his Batman. His Batman looked so cool, but he had enough distinction between all of his characters where if it was Ives, if it was his dad, you know, his dad didn't look like a gray-haired version of Bruce Wayne. Like, there were different face models for all of the different characters, whomever he would draw from. Uh, his shotgun Smith, I loved his uh, shotgun Smith, and we, we get that in this book. And like I said, it's easy to identify and recognizable, and he was one of the first artists that... When he left the Robin series, it wasn't like, okay, well, I'm going to stop reading Robin. I was like, well, I kind of want to follow where Grummet's going to go. So I I did go over to Superboy and checked out different things that he was doing. He was on the new Teen Titans uh, for a while there. And I'm holding uh, the trade for Teen Titans Lost Family, and it's the Jeff John series, and uh we do get another uh, drawing of Batman and Robin, Tim Drake, in issue 8 of uh, Teen Titans. It's called Family Lost, and it's uh, Batman and Robin kind of flying through the sky and the uh, bat plane on the way to Titans Tower. It's just uh, a couple of little uh, panels of Batman and Robin talking, but they're so cool. But in this, you get to see him draw all the Titans and Cyborg and Starfire. Uh, Kid Flash and Beast Boy, um, so that's that's really cool. If you want some uh, more with Robin and Batman, this is a, a really cool issue to check out. So it's issue eight of the Jeff Johns uh, Teen Titans run. So maybe we have to you know peek into uh, Teen Titans every now and then, just kind of see you know what Tim's doing yeah, over there, yeah. especially with uh, Tom Grummet on an issue two uh, here or there. So again, like you said, uh, just a, a really cool special place in my heart as a, a Robin fan, and that. The series was doing so well when you have, you know, A-list talent like that leave a book. It kind of leaves a hole for a while. And the issues, you know, Chuck's on it for 100 issues. It would have been great to get uh, Tom on for 100. But um, it does sound like the Superboy was uh, 
uh, a first love of his. So when the Superboy title was starting, I can understand why he'd want to jump ship. Yeah, and he was doing both titles for a while. They were both, you know, there was two Tom Grummet books a month, so that was always a lot of fun. And I hope we do get to interview him because one of my all-time favorite things, and I've mentioned this before, is on the very first DC animated movie, the Superman Doomsday movie, which the movie itself is not that great. But (laughs) there's a documentary that is at least an hour. It feels like it's two hours where they go in depth behind the scenes of the death of Superman uh, with the creative comic creators and he's interviewed a lot in that yeah. and he seems like a really cool down to earth fun guy so uh whenever i see that i'm always like oh one day i want to i want to pick his brain about the tim drake side i and i still i just wish that somebody would make that same documentary style on nightfall because oh, i yeah. think that would be an amazing story and it, and before you know these comic <laughs> creators are too old you know we, we need that documentary yeah not to get off a little tangent um i still put in that uh, superman doomsday which they are going to redo here in i think sometime this summer or fall to get into uh like uh, an actual comic adaptation like they did for the dark knight but i still put that in just to watch that documentary that's a fantastic documentary i think we've talked about it on the show that that is worth going to best buy or walmart and picking it up for five bucks just to watch the documentary on the uh, death and return of superman and like you said i i would love for somebody to do a documentary on nightfall i think that'd be fantastic to give that kind of detail and insight to a project and it was cool to see tom grummet on that well with that this is episode 69 of robin everyone loves the drake comic podcast and welcome to the show Let's look at the synopsis for Robin 15. Uh, the information on this comic comes to us by Mike's Amazing World.com. Robin 15, cover date March 1995. On sale date February 7th, 1995. Cover price $1.50. The editor is Dennis J. O'Neill. The title, Looking for Clues. Writer is Chuck Dixon. Penciler is Tom Grummet. The inker is Scott Hanna. The inker is Dick Giordano. The inker is Frank McKellen. There's quite a few inkers on this book. The letter is Timothy Harkins. And the colorist is Adrian Roy. The cover credits go to Tom Grummet and Raymond Cursing. This is the last full interior issue by Tom Grummet on the Robin series and the second to last cover by Tom Grummet. And now the synopsis for Robin 15, Looking for Clues. Robin foils some low-level thugs stealing ATM machines. He makes quick work of all of them with his bow staff. 
but as he kicked one of them off the tow motor carrying the ATM machines, he wasn't quick enough to stop it and it crashes through the window of the place the crooks were robbing. I guess there's no need to call for the police now. As Robin ties up the last few crooks, police sirens can be heard. Now's the time to leave the scene, just like his mentor taught him. He scales up the rooftops and is on his way just as Shotgun Smith arrives on the scene. And Shotgun is still not a fan of the brat. Back in the Batcave, Batman and Robin have been going over a string of complicated high-end robberies. Maybe Robin's thugs weren't so low-level after all. Someone went to a lot of trouble mailing drawings all over the city, giving clues as to the next heist, all of which have been committed in the previous months. Batman is running scans of the pages to see if there's any connection to them and where they might have come from. At this time, Robin decides it'd be better to go get some sleep since tomorrow's a school night. While Batman is scanning, he tells Batman to wake him up if he finds anything. Well, that lasts about two hours. Batman has woken Robin, and in no time, Batman and Robin are headed out. Batman tells Robin that the pages all have traces of chemicals of cleaning fluid, and there's only one place where those particular sets of compounds and pages that are that old come from in that concentration. They came from Blackgate Prison. The dynamic duo figured that Arthur Brown, the clue master, must be behind the drawings. Batman and Robin take to the gliders and jet across the bay. The last time Robin was going to make this trip was when Dick Grayson was Batman. Now he seems calm. Maybe it's because Bruce is back. Oh, and the last time he was going to get on the glider, there was a riot, a full-scale riot at Blackgate Prison. Maybe that's why. Since Robin has more of a rapport with the Clue Master, Batman tells Robin to take the lead as Robin scales down the building and talks to Arthur through his cell window. Arthur tells Robin that there's a new crew in town that has taken his daughter as hostage and are threatening to kill her unless he helps them commit these crimes with his clues. He hands Robin the envelope and with the information of who's behind the robberies. Batman tells Robin to keep his wits about him, but it's hard to do. It's Stephanie. If things aren't bad enough with one girl, once Tim goes to school the next morning, he finds out that one of his good friends, Glenn Dopper, had gone out with Ariana. His Ari? But he can't blame her. He'd only canceled on Ari at least 12 times. Great, another problem. When Tim gets home from school that night, he sees his dad walking, with the help of his personal trainer, Dana. And now he learns that dad and Dana want to go on a weekend lake visit, which means that his dad's going to cancel their plans. Maybe Tim will take Dick Grayson. Tim never thought about having a stepmom, but if things keep going the way they are, that's what's going to happen. Tim sees a message from Bruce, and it's back to the Batcave in no time as Robin. Batman tells Robin that the plane is already in motion, between Nightwing, Gordon, and himself, that they have most of Gotham covered. That leaves Robin to do surveillance duty on the courier to Gully Garson. Out of the way. Of course. That night, Robin watches the courier and eventually follows him in the Redbird. They arrive at a warehouse, and Robin enters through the roof. To Robin's surprise, he's found Stephanie ahead of Batman. She's chained to a bed, and there's only two people watching her. Before he can act, a car pulls into the warehouse. A group of masked men exit. One of them is Carson, and he's pissed. Batman nearly stopped them tonight. The Clue Master set them up. Since the Clue Master is not playing by the rules anymore, he pulls out a gun and points it at Stephanie's head. Well, that escalated quickly. All right, well, let's get into Robin 15, our one and only book today. The story is Looking for Clues, and I think we've said this before, and even uh, Chuck Dixon has said it. He likes to start his stories right off with action, so you kind of look through this uh, right away and go, was this in another issue? Did did we miss something here or there? But it's just a a night on the town uh, for Robin, and he sees... uh, 
some ATMs being lifted. So this first splash page is, is just setting up the the story right from the get go of action. What do you think of this first uh, splash page? Yeah, it's cool because you know the cover's got like you said like the action figure with the uh, the big yellow glider. Isn't isn't that a Joni Mitchell song? I think, but um, yeah. <laughs> big yellow taxi. Yeah. But um, yeah, the uh, uh, he's he's coming in. And uh, yeah, it's like a Chuck Dixon, like right from that first page, boom, you're, you're like, you're sucked in. You're just like, you, you open this book, you look at it, you start reading and you're in Gotham City on a cold night with Robin swinging in. It's just amazing how he can hook you like that, which is why he's just, you know, the best in the business at this stuff. Um, I got to kind of call shenanigans a little bit, being that I work uh, in a distribution warehouse and I know kind of how tow motors work. They have these lovely things called safety features on either on the deck or on the seat. So in the next page, which is a beautiful shot here of Robin coming in from the side of the tow motor and kicking the guy off. Uh, the safety feature kicks in as soon as the weight of the person is lifted from the tow motor. It usually kills it. No, maybe in the 90s, maybe they, that, that wasn't a safety feature. But I'm kind of looking at it going, well, when I'm at Lowe's and I get off my tow motor, it stops <laughs> right now. But I understand for the point of the story, it's got to crash into the wall so the police can be alerted. And that's a funny little moment there where Robin realizes, well, I guess I don't have to call the police because with the window breaking, the cops are going to come anyway. But I just I love this splash page onto uh, just like a, a full body shot of Robin coming in, kicking the guy right in the face and then dodging the sledgehammer. But just uh, it, it makes me sad that uh, Grummet's not going to be uh, in the <laughs> in the rest of the series. But uh, yeah, these these couple pages are just beautiful. What do you think? Yeah, it's funny your your uh, comment about the the forklift reminds me of a quote from Alfred Hitchcock, who said, "You know, people will will believe the impossible, but not the improbable. Like we'll believe that there's this teenage boy dressed like Robin swinging in in a in Gotham City with Batman, where over in Metropolis a rocket from Krypton has landed. You know, with this baby who's now grown up to be Superman. Yeah, that that's all fine. But the fact that the forklift is still going, no, I, that I call crap on that. You know, <laughs> like it's it's just funny how we the the mundane stuff will get us. The what I I agree. 100% with you on the art with this. The one thing that got me a little bit is, um, and this is a nitpick here, Tim is, he's kind of like dissing these guys. He's kind of saying that, um, you know, oh, low brow and low tech. Mm-hmm. And he said, the first line's no criminal masterminds tonight. But then he says that these guys have stole a hundred of these things all over the city uh, somewhere. And I'm like, well, that sounds pretty good to me. Like, yeah. you know, like if you ripped off a hundred of these and haven't got caught, like that's pretty good. Um, so maybe he's not giving them as much credit. But again, I think it's just like it compared to the Riddler or Joker right. or, you know, somebody with superpowers or something like that. But um, it's kind of fun watching Robin go toe to toe with them. And I do like too how the um, cash machine breaks open. So there's like bills of flying in every panel all over the place <laughs> and stuff. That, and, and then the forklift just goes on its own and crashes right into a window. So <laughs> yeah. you might have to uh, get out there in the warehouse at work and start just, you know, messing with it to see if you can actually get it to, you know, really do that somehow. Yeah. And being a trainer, that'd be really bad for me because I know doubly <laughs> that I shouldn't have yeah. to be doing that. But I'm like, hey, I saw it in a comic book. I just wanted to see if it worked. Um, uh, page six. Hey, can I ask you? Go ahead. 
that's what I was going to ask you. Page six. When, when you turn the page, there's like an ad for impulse. I'm assuming you're reading, you're reading the floppy, right? Yes. Or you, you've got this in a trade. Yeah. When you turn the page, did your first thing, my first thing was like, Oh, bullets out of the hospital. But did you re- realize that was shotgun Smith right away? Oh yeah. Right away. Uh, and not with the shotgun, okay. but just with the bill of the hat folded up. Oh yeah. 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 So that was my, my first, uh, in, instinct right there that it had to be shotgun because i knew i think from the last time ryan was on he had said that he appears shortly after prodigal and troika so i think when i was first like rereading this i was thinking he's i knew he was in one of these two books i just didn't know where so i was already anticipating uh him coming in but then that does lead to a bigger question like where what happened to bullock Yeah, in the synopsis that we read, we know that Bullock's still kind of in the hospital, still recovering. So it's kind of cool to see Shotgun Smith back. I wish I wish they could have done more with him in the series. When when those first couple issues, I thought oh, he was going to be a big part of the series, but it is cool to see him and back and grumpier than ever. Yeah, <laughs> you know? has no disdain whatsoever for, or complete disdain rather for Robin and. And everything in general, like he he wants the alarm shut off. Uh, he's got a headache, and you know, should we call an ambulance? He's like, nah, I'll just take some aspirin. And his detective was like, no, I don't mean for you, shotgun. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's like let him suffer. So uh, let him suffer. Yeah, <laughs> I can just hear that gruff, you know, nineteen sixty movie cop like we talked about, or seventies cheesy cop movie like, yeah, let him suffer. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, that was something that I was kind of sad that uh, he just vanishes uh, uh, a little too soon from the Robin series. Uh, we kind of see through uh, pages uh, six and seven here. If I have that, yes, yeah, six and seven of kind of like the the recount of the like you said earlier. These may not be uh, low level thugs like they thought. This is actually a series of heists that have been going on uh, by a gang, uh, just one of many. And this kind of puts Batman and Robin here kind of behind the eight ball where they normally aren't at, that these clues and uh, drawings are showing up, kind of like somebody was playing Pictionary really quick, that these crimes have already happened that we're seeing on page six, and that they're just now either finding out about them or trying to decipher uh, what they are. So it's kind of cool to see uh, Batman and Robin here. And for uh, some reason, Robin was able to get to the the only single chair in the Batcave first, and he's sitting on it backwards. And I love the way Grumman is drawing him here. It's very... A very teenage thing to do, you know, with the baseball hat backwards or he's sitting in the chair backwards and making Batman stand. But knowing Batman, he was probably standing for the next two hours and didn't even realize the chair chair was even there. So I think this is a really cool shot of Batman. Yeah, um, it's kind of interesting. We've talked about that one chair in the Batcave, but um, the Batman looks awesome here. And um, like I, I had said, Grummet draws him with a, a little bit of Adam West around the jawline. Um, and uh, uh, I, he's got the new costume. But if you look on this, it's like completely black or really dark blue. Like, And you can kind of see – now, Grummet would have drawn this – you know, penciled it, and then the inker would have come in, and then the colorist. And if you look, you can kind of see the outline of Batman's underwear on the the um, costume, but it's all colored the same as the costume. Right. So um, it's kind of like 
going back to the last Troika where um, he got his new costume, it's still very confusing on what exactly is the new costume because it's it's being portrayed different in different books. I don't see any fins on his feet, so no. those are gone. He got the new boots last time. Um, but this is kind of funny because the the clues are so like <laughs> elementary school. Yeah, it's funny. And then was we're gonna find out they they find out it's Clue Master through the paper, and that that was a stretch. Like, and then later on, Clue Master is like, it took you long enough to figure out. Like, well, that's a long stretch to know that. I thought this was a stretch as well, but it's it is some good detective work on Batman's part. They he does figure out that it's the paper, and I like that Tim thinks on page nine, like, oh, okay, well, it's a school night. I'll go get some sleep. And then he lays down for about two hours and gets, and gets scared of Batman. And it's like, Oh geez, I forgot about the new suit, but the Batman's able to put it together. You know, that it's a chemical compound and it's old paper. If it's been stored for a while that it's got to be over in Blackgate prison. So like you said, it's, it's kind of a stretch. It's like, wow, I made that easy from the Clue Master, but it's like it it wasn't. There had to be some extra work uh, that goes on there. But um, yeah, and um, you know, it's on page seven, like you said, Tim's in the chair, sitting backwards. Then Batman gets up and and does some detective work here, analyzing the paper. But then on page nine, when Tim's leaving, Batman's in the chair. So I think it's like a game they play. Like they sit in it as long as they can, then they try to distract someone. Like look over here, and then when they they grab the chair back, and so they're you know for a billionaire, he's only got one chair. But I thought it was kind of odd that Tim gets scared by Batman, and he's like, yeah. oh, it's the new suit. Like it. it uh, he could have been wearing regular clothes. If somebody like wakes you up in the middle of the night, it scares you. Right. Like, you know. Yeah. But um, overall, this is kind of cool. I love seeing Batman do detective work and be the world's greatest detective. And um, like I, I said before, is I see a lot of Adam West in the drawings. But I know some people hear voices when they read comics, and I've heard Kevin Smith say, you know, when he's reading Batman, he hears Kevin Conroy's voice when i was reading this i was hearing the voice and i don't know the gentleman's name but you'll know it do you, do you remember the voice of batman in the super friends series and that yeah let's go robin and it's, you know like for some reason with this artwork that's the voice that i i heard that old good that's super friends and gosh whenever i hear like a little clip of that voice it takes me right back to like 1977 yeah sitting there three years old watching super friends or Batman cartoons or Batman with Scooby-Doo or whatever. But uh, for some reason I heard that seventies Batman voice as I read this comic. You know, Robin, quite often people choke on a piece of food they're eating. Right. What can you do for them? Well, if I were choking, you'd stand behind me, wrap your arms around my waist, then make a fist with one of your hands and put it against my abdomen with your thumb against my body, slightly below my rib cage. Grab your fist and press in and upward. You might have to press and push up more than once. Try it again. It's important to get it right. Someone's life uh, may depend on it. Um, I want to say it's Olansoul, O-L-A-N-S-O-U-L-E. Olansoul. I can never know how to say his name right, but that's uh, that's a classic uh, Batman voice. I think Casey Kasem ended up uh, voicing uh, Robin, which I don't hear Casey Kasem coming out of <laughs> Tim Drake. Yeah, but, no. But I, I can see uh, out of this one that uh, you could get a, a Super Friends uh, vibe out of Batman. This seems like a more – the way Dixon is writing Batman in this, Batman is playing the secondary character. I mean, you would think so in like, well, this is Robin's book. Robin should be the lead in his own book. 
But when you put Batman in a book, Batman has a way of just kind of taking over because you want to use Batman. And I think Chuck uses Batman very well. And even on page 12, when they are finally glided across uh, the bay to Blackgate Prison and they arrive on the roof, it's Batman that lets Robin go down. And scaled on the wall to talk to Arthur Brown because Batman knows, well, you have rapport with the Clue Master. Rather than Batman doing it, let's Robin handle all of the talking, which I, I think that's a good testament to writing for your for your characters and not letting Batman over overshadow and let the main character of the book have his own reward. So I thought that was really pretty cool. Yeah, I thought it was also cool that Dixon didn't spend a lot of time with Robin working up the courage to use the hand glider, even though he chickened out last time. And he kind of says, like, um, you know, maybe it's because it's Bruce here and not Dick. And, and I can totally see that. Like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to chicken out in front of Bruce, but, <laughs> you know, Dick's Dick's OK. So um, I was a little surprised they didn't do that. But I thought it was cool that it just kind of went right in. And he's just like, yep, yeah, Bruce is here. I'm not I'm not chickening out this time. I like that. Dixon is writing at least Tim's reaction with Bruce Wayne Batman different than Dick Grayson's Batman because that's one of the the knocks on Prodigal is that it could have just been like generic Batman at some points in, in that series you know like what, what you would even complain like even the artwork they look the same and all that so I do do really appreciate that on, in this here yeah with uh, Robin finds out that Stephanie has been captured on seven. She's being held because Clue Master is being blackmailed. You know, we want you to do all these crimes and set these riddles for us, or, you know, we're going to kill your daughter. So that puts Robin in a place, you know, he hasn't seen Stephanie in a while, so that gives credence why that she's been taken, and Batman's got to tell him, hey, you've got to keep it in check. And uh, I, I know you have some type of feelings for Stephanie, but you've kind of got to kind of get through it. So they're back off across the bay, and then Robin's kind of you know, re- reminiscing a little bit. And I love this picture in 14, and every now and then uh, you'll see it. You get a, a headshot of Tim Drake, Robin, but like kind of inside his head and inside his thoughts, you see Robin and Spoiler here. And I love, love Grummet's Spoiler. As much as I liked seeing Spoiler by Lyle, um, I love Grummet's spoiler so much better. I think he just draws a beautiful, beautiful looking spoiler. What do you think about this uh, splash page on 14? It could be a poster. Yeah, it could be a poster. <laughs> yeah, that would be a great poster. It is fantastic. And I even like uh, leading up to it on uh, 12 and 13. Did you notice that Robin's eyes have like a light green tint to them? Yeah. It's almost like a night vision thing. I, I thought that was really cool because he's got a green dark green domino mask so you can't go too green with the eyes but it it's just a subtle light green as if it's night vision and i i, I thought that was a really cool look i don't really rem- recall that too much in the book before no. that now maybe it's probably all over the place and i just <laughs> just picked up on it now but uh i do that at school a lot because the, there's kids and they'll come in and they'll have like a, a cast or like a, a boot on their foot, you know, because these kids are always getting hurt with stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you know what happened? I'm like, oh, when did this happen? And they'll be like, uh, two weeks ago. And I'm like, have you been? You've had that for two weeks? And they're like, yeah. I was like, oh, so I'm just noticing now. Sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> but speaking of school, that's where Tim is in his next scene. Yeah, I I love the uh, world building uh, that 
we're, and this is kind of one of the big things that I, I like about where we're going with this. Um, you'd asked, you know, where I was reading this out of, if I was reading this out of a trade or uh, the single issues. Um, this has never been collected. These books, uh, from time to time, will get collected, but there aren't too many collected editions of the Robin series beyond like Nightfall and Prodigal. I know they're slowly starting to collect some now, and there would be some sporadic ones. Uh, but to my knowledge, this has never been collected in any type of uh, trade so far. Seeing Ives and um, everybody else in in Tim's group is just so cool to get into that these are going to be recurring characters and family members that are really Tim Drake-centered, aside from the other Batman stuff that will occasionally pop in. So I love seeing his school activities to know that this is going to be a theme that's going to be playing out through the Robin book of, of Tim's normal daily life is really, really cool. And then the realization that while Tim's been flitting around as Robin and having to cancel on Ari so many times, one of his other buddies has actually asked him out. So it's just, he's got Stephanie on the brain and then it's kind of like the light bulb goes off. Oh crap. I do have a girlfriend, you know, that somebody else has gone out with. So what'd you kind of think of his school setup? And then, uh, let's piggyback that into, uh, his dad and Dana in the next uh, page. Yeah, I, I, I like this. It's, it's very much reminiscent of the Peter Parker Spider-Man in the early days, which I never read. So this is kind of cool for me. What's funny is though, I, I, I read this and, um, it was it Doppler or Glenn, Glenn you know, yeah. uh, Glenn, yeah, says um, that he he took Ariana out on a date, and Tim's like my Ariana, and then I turn the page so that this is page sixteen where you see Tim and he walks in and there's like an old guy and a young girl with dark hair, and for some reason I thought he had and he he almost looks kind of angry the way he's swinging his arms, so I thought Tim went to go confront Ariana, yeah. like like he was gonna. <laughs> so uh, and and I for some reason looked at that and saw that, but then we start reading, you find out it's not. It's his dad and his dad's personal trainer, and that they're kind of um, starting to get romantic here now. His dad's up and walking. The, the him and the trainer are gonna go to the lake for the weekend, and Tim's like, all right, whatever. Later on. After I got done reading, I'm like, I forget that scene where he confronts Ariana. Like, what happened in that scene? And I couldn't, and I couldn't remember. I'm like, ah, oh, when I go over the book with Rob, I guess we'll get to it again. And now I'm realizing there was no scene with Ariana. Yeah. So I have completely lost my mind. But all I could say is, yeah, it'd be nice to be Jack Drake. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I would find a reason to walk pretty quick, and I'm sure he found some reasons. But this is kind of getting back into old Jack Drake stuff that Tim was used to dealing with like, okay, now that his dad isn't dependent on Tim and he's got this personal trainer. And now that he's walking, he's already starting to go, well, we were going to go to, I think it was a a concert or something like that, that he's going to cancel on Tim, but then he's going to go do plans with Dana and goes, well, I'm sure you can, you find somebody else. And Tim has a throwaway line of like, well, maybe Dick Grayson would want to go, and Dana and Jack are having this little discussion of like, you know, is he going to be okay? And you know, oh, he's he's Jack's is like, oh, he's mature. He can he can take this. And uh, knowing that this is these are the early seeds being planted of Jack going to be eventually proposing to Dana, and he's going to have a new stepmom. And Tim even makes mention of that as he's going up the stairs when he sees a message from Bruce. So that's kind of cool to see like where, where this is starting, but it's got to be kind of a bummer for Tim at the same time going, oh, okay, Dad's going to be very dismissive of me again. Like We've gone through all this stuff, and his dad is going to go right back to the way things used to be. 
You know what I wonder, too, on this, and maybe I missed it in another issue. Maybe somebody could tell me. How does Jack Drake know who Dick Grayson is? Because Tim's like, oh, maybe I can go with Dick Grayson. And da- his dad's like, okay. I could see his dad like, well, who's Dick Grayson? Well, he's a grown man who I hang out with all night in spandex sometimes. <laughs> it's okay, Dad. You know, like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to the lake. I don't care what you do. I'm with this hottie trainer. But uh, <laughs> I wonder yeah. if some of that just didn't come from Prodigal, that Dick was over at the main or so. If his dad was used to Tim just going over when Bruce was there, well, Bruce isn't at the manor right now, and Dick Grayson's house sitting, maybe that was just, he just got used to, like, oh, this Grayson guy happens to be over there, and that's all that he knows. Yeah, his dad's like, no, you that guy doesn't even know how to operate a washing machine. He can't take you to the Knights game. <laughs> right. He's, he seems yeah. like a carny. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, that ponytail of his, yeah. yeah that's right. He's trying to look like that Superman guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, we see the message from Bruce, and it's back to the Batcave for Batman and Robin. And they are – Batman is telling him that – here's Dick Grayson being brought up again, that Batman has got the plan uh, set, that they are looking for Cluemaster with the packet that Cluemaster had given Robin previously – that Nightwing's going to be involved in the search and Batman and Commissioner Gordon, which leaves Robin doing what? Doing surveillance at the docks and uh, actually just happens to get a very lucky break of following the courier for uh, Gully Carlson, which I thought was a, a really funny name. That It's kind of funny that Batman, Nightwing, and Gordon are going to be doing all this stuff looking for Gully Carlson, but then <laughs> yeah. Tim is sent to go watch the courier for Gully Carlson, like... Wouldn't that have been what Batman should have done? Like, we want you to go look for the guy that's eventually going to go talk to the guy that we're looking for. So it doesn't seem like that much of a lucky break, but they're trying to give Tim some distance to so because he's so wrapped up in trying to find uh, Stephanie. But it eventually pays off for him, and it's really kind of cool to see the uh, Redbird through eighteen, nineteen, and then eventually into uh, twenty. Uh, when he makes it into the warehouse. So what just about that little uh, sequence did you think? All right. I got a lot to say about page 17. Go for so it. first of all, uh, the the message from Batman to Tim is stop by when you can dash B. So is the B for Bruce or is the B for Batman? <laughs> or that, that, that was I spent way too much time wondering that. That's for Buford. And second – the scene in the Batcave, I absolutely love the artwork on it. It's like from an overhead shot, and Batman is like – it's like you're hanging 15 feet, 20 feet in the air in the Batcave, and Batman's looking up right at you. It is so yeah. cool, and I – I can't draw a stick figure to save my life. So I could imagine drawing human figures from a vantage point that you don't see every day as a human. You know, I I guess eye level might be easier to draw because that's what you see all the time. But to see it from another level where you don't actually go in your your day-to-day life is amazing. So this is just fantastic artwork. For somehow, the Batcave is really bigger than normal, and there's two chairs in the Batcave. (laughs) So I was like, what? So I I think that Superboy Prime punched the walls of the universe between this page and the last page, or page, as we saw the Batcave, because the the computer is completely different than we've ever seen it before, and there's two chairs, and that um, 
Also, it's much lighter in the Batcave, um, and you, you can actually tell that the gloves and boots and cape of Batman are a different color than the rest of the costume, although the underwear on the outside is still the same color as everything else, where in the other one it's much brighter, uh, but the costume is all the same color, boots, cape, uh, everything. So at first I was like, oh, well, one might be in the daytime, but then I'm thinking, they're in a cave. <laughs> it wouldn't matter, the lighting. <laughs> right. So maybe there is a dimmer switch or something, and they've brightened the lights up, so I don't know. But again, I see I see uh, Adam West, and I hear the voice of the Super Friends, and I just love this, this scene. And then on page uh, 18, where uh, Robin's down by the docks, I don't know what you'd call it, but they do these little, like, smoke trails mm-hmm. through the artwork that is just so cool and just so sad the tone of like a, a, a foggy watery dock i can hear like the water splashing and like foghorn the horns yeah. and foghorns and all that stuff like it is so cool and this is where i first noticed robin's uh, green eyes here and just the the look of determination on his face and, and calculation is so cool and even like I, I, we've t- said it so much or at least i've said it i love 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 andrena roy's coloring and on page uh, 18, Robin, you see him from the back, and you he's sitting on the, as I say it, roof. You say it with your Ohio accent. How do you say roof again? Rough. You say you say rough. Rough, yeah. yeah. You say it like the dog's barking. That's <laughs> the, I don't I don't hear a lot of Ohio accent or or much, but when you say that or when you refer to Coke as a pop, then I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Rob's sitting in Ohio. Uh, but um, the um, Anyway, the, the coloring on Robin's cape, there's just a hint of yellow at the bottom in like the folds and just a hint of yellow around the neck. And I think that, that uh, just that little touch is just so cool. It's, and then on um, the bottom of 18, you see like the, the shadows of the buildings, but one of the buildings is in the shape of Robin, yes. like looking down. It's just, it's just fantastic. And then, you know, I love the red bird. I just love the red bird. <laughs> Same here. And, uh, they're the only two cars, and how does he not see that in the rearview mirror? But I don't care because it's so much fun. And uh, even in uh, well, I don't want to go, but in, in episode or episode, I keep saying that in issue sixteen, when Stephanie sees the car and she's like, "You named it the Red Bird," you know that's yeah. such a boy thing to do. <laughs> like I, I love it too. Like the Red Bird. Uh, a shot that I like on twenty. There's a couple of them. There's only like five panels, actually four panels. But the middle panel where Robin is after he's scaled up the building, and also in the first panel you see the shot of Redbird where he's kind of pulled off to the side and watching the car go to the warehouse. The green, the green, the window is tinted green, but you can see Robin uh, just enough in that. I think is really cool. But that third. Uh, panel where Robin's coming in the window where his face is almost blacked out, but the green eyes uh, for probably like his lenses are. I think that's just so cool the way that's colored. And then the shot of him perched up on top of the uh, uh, girders up on top of the uh, like the rafters rather of the building kind of looking down. And at this point, it's uh, only Stephanie chained to the bed and uh, the courier and then like one other guy. So at this moment, like a job that. Tim was supposed to have of just watching and during surveillance. Tim can save the girl and get out without most anybody noticing. He can clearly take down two guys. But, of course, uh, Gully, again, I love that name, shows up holding (laughs) the Batarang on uh, 20. And you kind of see Robin go up above the rafters. And uh, things are going to escalate very, very quickly here uh, once we get to the last uh, page um, where... 
Gully has just realized that, you know what, Batman's been notified. Somehow he's talked to Arthur Brown, and, well, we're not going to have any use for the girl anymore, and has the gun pointed right at Stephanie, and dun-dun-dun, that's where we're going to leave the end of this uh, issue. So what would you kind of think of those last few pages, and then where, you know, things are hanging in the balance for Stephanie as Robin's now deciding, oh, great, now there's seven guys in this room. Yeah, page 20, totally agree with you on that scene with the eyes. It is so cool. Um, I love underneath, you see Robin from the rafters, and it's another overhead shot. Grummet does those so well, and you're like seeing right over Robin's shoulder, like you're up there on the rafters with him, and, and same on 21 um, from the, the other angle, but you do feel like you're up there with him. And this is what I think is cool about the Robins, how they each have their own personality, is that if this was Jason Todd, he would have jumped down from the rafters as soon as the bad guy showed up or as soon as he saw the girl and start throwing punches and, you know, uh, trying to be the hero where Tim Drake will stay. He'll just do observation like he's told. But, you know, when someone's life's in danger or when he has to, he'll disobey those orders to save someone's life or make sure the bad guy doesn't get away. And this is just a, a fantastic cliffhanger like gun pointed right to stephanie's head you know she's not going to get shot you know she's not going to get killed but yet you want to read the next issue so bad not because you think oh my god is she going to die because you're like i want to see how robin's going to save her i want to see what happens next so that's it's just a, a fantastic way to like end an issue and i'm so glad i have issue 16 sitting right next to it in the long box that i can just pull it out and it's not um what when it's probably not january yeah. of 95 and have to wait a month to find out the the ending there so um and then when you grab the next issue and you see spoiler on the cover with all these guns pointing at her, it's like, yes, here we go. So, yeah, loved it. But Overall, fantastic issue. Yeah, it's a, it's a great issue for Grummet to uh, end on. I would have loved to have seen him complete the end of this little two-parter, but I'm sure he was very heavy into Superboy at this point. It can only probably do just this last one. But like you said, you know, not having to wait a month, unfortunately for the podcast – we are going to make you, dear listeners, have to wait till the next episode to talk about 16. But Terrence has a new segment coming up, so we're going to get into that here in just a second. Hey, everybody. This is a uh, segment that Rob and I have uh, talked about doing just because um, for the next couple of podcast episodes, we're going to just be focusing on the Robin comic but uh, the Robin comic is going to be leading up to a couple of uh, big crossovers that involve Batman and the GCPD. So we wanted to just kind of keep abreast of what was going in the other Bat books, but not kind of derail the podcast by spending too much time on them. So we thought we'd uh, just kind of look at what, what else was going on in, in the um, Batman world from this um, month when Robin came out. And uh, so we're going to read the solicitations for this month. So Catwoman, who will be be a big part of the uh, Contagion and Legacy crossover coming up, over in her book, it says, Crash landing in the dangerous jungles of Amazonia, Catwoman begins a desperate search for a former Nazi, possibly the only person alive who can free her from her servitude. Catwoman 19 by Dixon, Belent, and Smith. And then um, Robin, there's a solicitation for Robin, but we're going to be doing that book, so we're going to skip that one. Then here it says, over in Batman, in pursuit of the serial killer Sleeper, 
Batman uncovers her greatest secret, one that may stop cold, Batman's attempts to halt her murderous spree, Batman 517 by Munch, Jones, and Beatty. And in fact, um, two books had come out since we last talked about Batman. Uh, we talked about Batman 515 in Troika, um, but Batman 516, and this is the solicitations for 517, and it, it's pretty cool um, because it involves Batman um, having some hallucinations, and the hallucinations and that um, sleeper... Uh, is is really done well by um, Kelly Jones's art and John Beatty inking. Um, Jones's art is surreal and just seeing these hallucinations and with Batman is so cool. Uh, there is a little bit of GCPD in these two issues. Um, in Batman five sixteen, we see. Um, uh, Brock go to visit uh, Bullock in the hospital and Bullock is out of his coma so they're talking and Brock has got a book with him as we know he likes to read uh, and it's a hardback book it's a hardcover book and uh, Bullock makes some comments about that and, and uh, Brock says the, the paperbacks crumble too much and because of this uh, Bullock gives Brock a nickname Hardback so hardback for the hardback books that he reads. So that's kind of cool. That's the origin of the, the hardback. Um, and then there's a uh, another scene where Batman comes in and sees Commissioner Gordon, and he's still sleeping in his office at night. Um, and so that's kind of also just reinforced in, in this issue. And then in um, Batman 517, there's a little bit more with the GCPD. They're kind of a continuation. They're a two-parter. Uh, with this with this sleeper who's really cool. She's got like all these skulls on the end of her hair and Batman's hallucinating and sees her in all these different ways. So it's, it's really amazing art. Um, but there's one scene where Commissioner Gordon is getting dressed in his office and, and Brock comes in and Commissioner Gordon asks him, why, why are people calling you hardback? Uh, and he tells him that he likes to read. And it's right next to a really cool full-page ad for Robin 16 with him holding the spoiler, the cover of that. Um, so that that's really cool. And then um, Commissioner Gordon tells Brock to write out a report using Harvey Bullock's desk. Uh, and there's this really cool scene of Harvey Bullock's desk with like pizzas and donuts and flies on the donuts and just him Brock kind of saying like yeah as soon as I can find the desk under all this stuff so that's that's kind of a cool scene that happens in, in Batman um, over in Shadow of the Bat where is that oh here it is over in Shadow here's the solicitation a rash of seemingly random kidnappings erupts into something far worse when Batman begins a new hunt for the Joker Shadow of the Batman 37 by Grant and Kitson and, and Kitson's also doing the Asriel stuff so so that's kind of cool to see. And once again, there were two issues since we last checked into Shadow of the Bat uh, with Troika. Um, Shadow of the Bat 36 had come out, and that was a one-shot with Black Canary, which I believe was mentioned in Troika uh, when Robin talks about how there's a new vigilante in town beating people up, and that's the Black Canary. Um, and as far as the GCPD goes, there's one little scene where Sarah Essen um, tells Brock that... Um, he tells her that he likes to read, but he also tells her, uh, she tells him that she's going, he's going to be Moitonia's new partner. He's taking over um, Bullock's role while Bullock is recuperating and in the hospital. And then over in 37, which I just read the solicitation, which has got an amazing uh, Brian Stetsfries cover that's like the Greek comedy tragedy masks for Greek theater. And But the comedy is the Joker face and, and the... The, the angry tragedy is Batman's face. Uh, it's so cool. But um, in this issue, you don't really see the Joker at all. You see some like pictures of the Joker. But there is um, 
some, some a little bit of GCPD stuff. Um, Commissioner Gordon goes to visit um, Harvey Bullock, and at the same time, Sarah Essen comes in to visit also, um, and they just kind of sit there silently reading magazines, not saying to each other, and they kind of make the comment that, you know, I could just say one word and end this war, but then they get a page that, you know, all heck is erupting in Gotham, and they've got to go, and when they leave, Bullock kind of says, hey, did I miss something as they leave? So that, that was kind of funny. Um, also, this is new on the list here for solicitations. It's only issue three, but I thought this was pretty cool. Over in Azrael, yay, Azrael, Jean-Paul Valley escapes death at the hands of the new Azrael, only to confront the entire Order of St. Dumas in its icy retreat. Asriel number three by O'Neill Kitson and Pascone. So that's pretty cool. And then the big one, um, Detective Comics. So Detective Comics 683. And this is one that I wish if we had more time we could have done a whole, um, just a whole episode on it. Because there is a lot of Tim Drake in episode eight, six, um, I'm sorry, in issue 683. There we go. Uh, Detective Comics. It features the Penguin. It's got a cool cover. It's very James Bondish of uh, the Penguin with uh, these, I guess, ladies or assassins, beautiful assassins holding guns and knives and stuff. It's, it's really cool. They're starting to make the Penguin look cool. And um, there is a lot of Tim Drake in this, which is, which is great. Um, it involves basically um, Batman and Robin uh, trying to just kind of, kind of, just good old-fashioned crime stopping, and um, they're at the Iceberg Lounge. There's a guy who is winning the blackjack, and they think he's a card counter. Um, and so they take him over to meet Penguin. But instead of just beating him up, Penguin realizes he can he can um, use this guy who ends up getting the code name, the Actuary, to plan and plot crimes. Um, and there is this, this issue must have taken place uh, a bit further back because at this point uh, Harvey Bullock is still in the coma and Montonia's been there the whole time, um, you know, as his partner and um, seeing him. And uh, I love it where uh, she says he, he lives on a steady diet of Cuban cigars and cream donuts. That's the living there, Harvey. Uh, so Harvey's, you know, not looking so good. But it's a, it's a really nice moment between Brock and Montonia. And then she asks him to leave so she can be alone with Harvey and play some of the, the old-timey music he likes. So they're really building up the, the character, um, the characterization of these GCPD uh, people and that they're not just, you know, faceless police officers or background characters and I really like that. That's why I really wanted to do this. Um, there's some great Batman and Robin scenes where they, they go after an informant and uh, the um, apartment explodes and they go after, I don't know where Chuck Dixon comes up with these names. It's his name, the informant's name is Too Bad Thomas and the, the two is written as a two. Uh, so it almost looks like Z-Bad. So, but too bad, but too bad, too bad for him. He gets blown up. Uh, and then there's another scene where Batman is, uh, goes to see Commissioner Gordon, and again, he's sleeping on the couch, and Batman says, are, thing, are things that busy, or is there trouble at home? And Gordon says, none of your damn business. <laughs> and then Batman says, I suppose you're right. Uh, and Batman's just, you know, trying to rebuild that uh, damaged relationship with Gordon since Nightfall, and, and uh, Gordon just wants no part of it here. Um, and so then, they, Penguin's guys plan another crime, but Batman has gotten to an informant, and the crime goes wrong, and um, these are some really cool action scenes of Batman and Robin 
Uh, there's a lot of Tim Drake. There, there's um, even Tim Drake takes off his R on his chest and throws it at a car, and then you see him later on with just a black circle, no R. So I like when they they incorporate that as a weapon. Um, and so um, then it kind of ends with the actuary realizing that if you plan your crimes in the daytime. Yeah, they're less likely to be uh, broken up by Batman, uh, and that'll lead up to um, issue 684, which is the second part, but there is no Tim Drake at all in 684, so that's why we're not really covering it too in-depth uh, for the podcast. But um, that hopefully will take you back to March of 95 when these books came out, and now back to Robin. All right, so that's a new segment that uh, we're going to do. So that's great that we can kind of see what's going on else in Gotham. Uh, what else do you have for us, Terrence? Do we have anything in the uh, letter section? Yeah, we got some letters here on Robin 15. Now, these letters appear in uh, Robin 20. And when I open that book, you know, the page right before the letters, do you want me to spoil what's on that page? Or it just it makes you want to just spend all day reading Robin comics. But um, Robin has come back into his house uh, and Ari is on his bed. Um not not wearing much clothing, uh, <laughs> saying, I'm sorry, but I had no other place to go. So, you know, this love triangle with Tim Drake and Ari and uh, Stephanie just gets better and better. Yeah. But back to 15, the, the first letter says, Dear Robin Crew, I just finished reading Robin 15 and was overwhelmed at all the story you managed to fit into 22 pages, exclamation point. And I agree, there was a lot yeah. in that book for 22 pages. Like, they, you know, I almost think like, it started out with like an ATM heist, like you know, that was a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, excellent art by Tom Grummet and awesome storytelling by Chuck Dixon make for one of the best Robin books to date. Chuck writes in a way that makes it easy to forget that Tim Drake isn't real. I love the look on Tim's face when he found out that Ariana went out with Glenn Doppler. Can't wait to see how Stephanie, a.k.a. the spoiler, gets out of that last panel alive. I'm eagerly awaiting the world's finest next generation team up between Robin and Superboy. I hope it will be drawn by Tom Grummet. Until next time, this lonely Canadian won't be able to get that last panel out of his mind. And this is Daniel Abin, A-U-B-I-N, from Salisbury, Ontario, Canada. And they wrote back, and Chuck Dixon, he of the astonishing cliffhanger, just keeps on topping himself. To wit this issue, ho man, 30 days never seem so long. I look forward to reading your mail on that and the debut of our incredible new art team of Mike Waringo and Stan Watch. For those of you who are not familiar with their previous credits, and shame on you if you are not, Mike is responsible for no less than creating the definitive way to draw the flash, in recent past issues of Flash, and Stan, who has been in comics for over a decade, yes, why didn't we bat guys get him on our ship sooner, anyway, most recently inked Vertigo's Swamp Thing. Hit the book bit, um, hit the back issue bin and check out their work. You will be happy you did. And of course, let let me, I'm sorry, let me know how much you love what they are doing with the Boy Wonder. And we talked about that, I think, last time yeah. or the time before, how we were following, we were both reading Flash and enjoying Flash and, um, the, the creative team coming over from the Flash was a good replacement. If you have to replace poor old yeah. <laughs> Tom Grubbit, I don't want you to go. Right. Please don't go. <laughs> you know, um, here's another one. Bird Boy editors, writers, and artists. I'm not proud to admit it, but every once in a while, I question why I read and collect comics every month. Usually, these moments of weakness begin when money is a little tight. This is followed by the sensation of pouring money down the drain. But just when things get their bleakest, you boys at DC always come 
through for me. And I won't mention what miracle Denny and the boys did to restore my faith in comics over in the bat titles now. We might be here all day. Robin 15 reminded me why I love to read this title and have collected it from the premiere issue. And I just stop here. You do that. I, I think, because I know I do it, where I'm like, ah, why am I buying these comments? Yeah. I got to stop. I got to save my money. And then you read one that's so good, and you're like, I got to get the back issues. I got to get to the comic book yeah. store. I got to do that. You know? Yep. Um, I will say this, too, before I finish the letter. We're in Robin issue 20, and the, the title of the letter column is still just Robin. Oh, wow. They haven't titled it. Like, they, they need to get on that. But anyway, um, even though the story wasn't part of any earth-shattering crossover or continuity-altering event, Robin 15 possessed all the great aspects that drew me to the comic in the first place. It showcased Robin working on his own and together with everyone's favorite Dark Knight. The issue provided glimpses into Tim's private life at school and at home. It even included characters that are uh, native only to the Boy Wonders title, Shotgun Smith, the spoiler, as well as one of the growing number of criminals that are inhabiting Robin. Robin's own rogues gallery. I love Batman's observation that Robin knew the clue master a little better than he did. Robin 15 had it all. You have made Tim Drake a dynamic real person. He is more than just some young crime fighter punk who likes to mouth off to the bad guys. He is human with feelings and thoughts that are true to the character and the situation he lands in. Where else but in your pages do we get to know a 15 year old boy who struggles with teen angst during the day and fights some of Gotham's deadliest criminals at night keep up the superb work gentlemen and i will never doubt again waiting for a nightwing monthly title brendan mcphillip university heights ohio is that anywhere near you um or? it's it's a couple hours away okay uh, um and he says, I, too, am waiting for a Nightwing monthly. For now, though, I am satisfied with the upcoming Nightwing miniseries. Look for it very soon from the talented hands of Dennis O'Neill and Greg Land, who did this year's Teen Titans Year One annual. And that was the thing when I was getting the um, solicitations. It was odd that there was no Nightwing title. Wow. Like that 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 was just a weird, weird kind of thing. Um and I've got one more that I wanted to read here. But before I did that, I, I'm going to mention this letter. I, I think he hits the nail on the head. This is one of the things that made issue 15 so great and fun is that it wasn't part of some 15 or 20 part series. Yeah. I didn't have to read three other bat books before and then read three ones after. It was just like a just a really fun, good, self-contained Robin story uh, that had Batman, had some uh, had spoiler, had Clue Master. It, 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 it really was like an old time good good comic you felt the same way right oh definitely yeah and i think we've talked about um i about said episode fatigue you know um what do you want to call it a cry crossover fatigue um with you know so many books we went from nightfall into prodigal and into troika and even probably going a little bit farther back than that it was uh, really refreshing that these two stories even though we're only talking about one today but they were almost like one and done type stories. Like the letter said, it was nothing earth shattering, but it was just really nice to take a breath and go, ah, you know, you could kind of read these two books out of the context of everything else and it just be really nice, precise. And even though it's a tight story, there's a lot, like we said again, there's a lot they cram into 22 pages. Yeah. One person wrote, I'm not going to read his whole letter, but he did write, dear editors, I'll miss Ray Kreising. His inking on the cover of Robin 15 was a beautiful gift. His work over Tom Grummet's penciling has been one of the many significant factors in the success of your excellent comic book. Although 15 was not inked by Ray Kreising, it was inked by Scott Haddon, yeah, right. which, 
yeah, it, it still looked pretty awesome. The artwork in 15 was fantastic. But, yeah, I think Ray Kreising and Tom Grummet, yeah, sometimes those pencilers and inkers, like, they just click. And then, like, you'll notice a, pen, a famous penciler uses the same inker every single time. Yeah. Like, you know, Jim Lee always uses Scott Williams. Like, he never uses anybody right. else. Like, they just, they just click. Um, but one more letter I wanted to read before we wrap it up. It says, Dear Editors, I realized the scene in Robin 15 in which Tim was startled when awakened by Batman was done to stress Batman's costume change. But I'm sorry. For me, the change seems too subtle to warrant Tim's reaction. The true reaction must be to the change in the man in the suit, Bruce Wayne. Tim must have been perceiving the inner change. I love how, like, it's not like Tim. it's, It's not like that Tim is wrong to have done it he did it but like there's a deeper meaning i just love how comic book readers like find that deeper meaning right like, no he's it's the inner soul of, of bruce wayne that scared tim drake I'm, you know i'm uh, glad us comic book fans are all dorks like deep down dorks yeah oh totally i you know um these are my people right here this is the kind of guy oh actually no i'm sorry i take that back this is the kind of woman here her name's melissa page from norton kentucky who uh would would could relate to me like obsessing about batman's uh boots and everything and 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 that was a a good uh music you put on the last podcast with the too much time on my hands I, i really felt that um Let me uh, finish Melissa's letter here. It says, in stark comparison to the uncomfortable situation on page nine, we have Tim feeling confident, winging with Batman on page 11. As much as I like Dick Grayson through Prodigal, Tim was more of a reassuring force for Dick than Dick was for Tim. Dick has got to be relieved to be rid of that role. So Nightwing is still in Gotham, though he exists off panel. I applaud Batman's cooperative plan. I wouldn't have minded if... The story from Robin 15 had been continued to another Bat book, so the action could be further shown from Batman's, Nightwing's, and Commissioner Gordon's point of view. And then they responded to her. To paraphrase Daniel Aubin, which is he, he wrote that first letter, yeah. that guy from Canada here. All right. I'm like, wait a minute, who's he? But now I realize he's the <laughs> guy in the letter column. Um, from earlier in this column, we couldn't have squeezed another ounce of story into this issue, and it already was part one of two parts. As readers nowadays seem to prefer shorter story arcs, a stretch to three parts might have been too much. Still, thanks for the compliment. As for Batman's new look, the changes are subtle but important. The new costume is black, not gray, and renders the wearer practically invisible in darkness. That's why Tim was so startled when he awoke. Imagine waking up to a set of floating white eyes in the dark Brr. so uh, yeah you know you, i i feel like they didn't quite have the new costume like it, they kind of were tweaking it and yeah. making it as they went you know which is kind of weird when they announced new costume and then they but they were listening that the fans were very underwhelmed by it right uh but overall this is just another fun issue and it's fun to kind of go down memory lane and uh kind of just just relive the the mid 90s you know go i should go uh drink a crystal pepsi and watch an episode of friends and seinfeld yeah, there you and, go. and relive my glory days <laughs> put on some nirvana and there we go yeah and i would be remiss if i didn't point out the baffler's name was mentioned um i totally skipped over that as you and i were talking oh and yeah, even in the blues. synopsis yeah, I, yeah. I i i missed it but i like that that shows how personal connections wrong like how much tim knows about the clue master and the baffler and that was around when 
the baffler came out when Bruce was still looking for his father. So Tim was like, I think the line was like, oh, that, that's even a longer story. And it's very dismissive. Like, you never mind. That's that's not what we're here to talk about, that Batman didn't know who the baffler was. And for a second, I was like, what? So I, I didn't want to let the episode uh, conclude without mentioning that the baffler got a mention in, in uh, 15. Yeah. And... Uh Oh, goodbye, Mr. Grummet. He does. We will see a cover or two here or there from him and and artwork, and we will get the world's finest. But yeah. uh, it's the end of an era. Here, for so long, I, I kept saying to you, Rob, like, oh, we're never going to get to Robin regular series number one. We were doing all the miniseries and annuals and all that stuff. And it was like a joke. We're never going to get to Robin number one. And now we've actually finished the Tomet. Tom Grummet run on Robin like yeah. that's that's pretty crazy yeah, yeah it's crazy to know that we're here and that we're here in a spot where you're not going to hear other podcasts or Batman podcasts talk about a lot of these books until we get to something like Contagion or God forbid No Man's Land that's making me go how the heck are we going to cover that so one thing at, yeah. one thing at a time we'll just kind of live in this you know teen to 20 issues of uh robin and uh terrence doesn't know this but right when we close i'm going to be going back through the likes and we we treats retweets of you guys so if you want to get your name mentioned on the show like and retweet us leave a comment either on the twitter feed when the episodes come up or on the facebook page and we'll get some uh, name mentioned for you folks out there that listen to the show all right like i said uh, this is going to be the reviews and uh, retweets and uh, iTunes reviews uh, segment that I want to start doing this regularly on the podcast. So if you have not given an iTunes review, uh, go over to iTunes and that'll, uh, a nice five-star review is nice, but a one or two or three, like I always say, <laughs> be kind. Uh, but a nice five-star review gives us uh, so much feedback and kind of puts us into a higher search rotation in iTunes when people are looking for podcasts where people are saying, hey, this is a really good podcast. So if you feel that way, write a nice a little review over there. I'm going to be reading the iTunes reviews and then retweets and uh, shares um, of the episodes as they come out. So um, I have some from about three years ago, just to for the context of time. We're going to only just do them uh, from the last year, and there are not uh, that many uh, to do here. So I'm going to pick some uh, from 2017 here going through 18. And again, it's it's not a truckload. Um, I would like there to be a truckload. So if you'd like to help out the show, uh, do that. And I'll get your name mentioned on the show. And hopefully I don't butcher everybody's name here. So uh, from the earliest in uh, 2017 a year ago, says the Essential Tim Drake podcast from djm934 uh nice five stars here says everyone loves the drake podcast is keeping tim's legacy alive by churning out compelling content and providing excellent commentary in its reviews the host constantly provides programming worth the time and effort for every bat fan well thank you very much djm uh the next one here again from 2017 is from our good friend robo87 says hands down the best robin podcast five stars says uh 
I absolutely love this podcast. Robin, Terrence, and Ryan do tremendous jobs reviewing and analyzing comics related to the best Robin of all time, Tim Drake. I love how they bring us back into time of the glory days of the 90s Robin stories, as well as checking with Tim Drake in the modern day rebirth. This is a perfect podcast for true Robin fans. Thanks, Robbo. I got one here from our good buddy, uh, Jay Rocca, Mr. Justin Kowalski of the Batman on film. This is uh, just like Tim, this is the best podcast. I believe that's what it says because iTunes cut off the <laughs> uh, tail end of the review, what I could see on the phone here. This came from April uh, 2017. It says, I am really glad this Tim Drake focus show is not only based on John Blake, ha ha ha, Justin, who is not even a real Robin, uh, where Tim has earned his spot in the Dark Knight's side by traveling the world and earning the legacy of the Robin mantle. And all Ja did... <laughs> Justin, this is funny. And all John did was learn how to throw a bat bomb and was told to wear a mask. Ha ha ha. That's more of a poke at Ryan there. All kidding aside, what a great show. There's a great dynamic between Rob, Terrence, and Ryan. I look forward uh, to this breakdown of old Tim Drake adventures and the conversations that come with it. Thanks, Justin. And very funny, John Blake. You know, a little orphan vision right there. Uh, so the next one from May 20th, 2017 is Joel Stashel, if I'm saying that right, please forgive me if I am. Uh, the title is awesome, five stars. It says, keep up the great work. Short and sweet, but thanks for the review, Joel. Uh, this next one is July 17th, 2017, from Mishka1221. Again, I hope I'm apolo- apologizing. I apologize, and hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. And said, Robin doesn't get a lot of credit. Again, uh, the, the title of some of these... Uh, gets kind of cut off on the review sheet that I get to read. Uh, five stars. It says Robin is a character, but doesn't get the credit he deserves. That's the title there. Uh, in, in fact, none of the various handfuls of versions of the character even get their due. This podcast sheds a light on the third Robin, Tim Drake, and at the same time brings us the history of Batman and the Bat Family comics to those that may not know about it. I love the host and the use of the radio dramas and fun and added excitement. To what could be boring, listening to someone read a description of a lengthy visual <laughs> of inherently visual history. Uh, can't wait for more, and I love the new look of the recently released social media. And that's uh, from uh, Justin Kowalski made our new logo for us. So uh, thanks to that one, Mishka. Uh, the next one is December 21st. Uh, for uh, 2017 for Rizzy Cosplay. says, a good problem to have. I love this podcast. Tim Drake is the greatest Robin. My only issue with this podcast is I wish there were more. I wish they would put up more episodes frequently. I do too. (laughs) Uh, I guess that's a good problem to have, right? That's good enough to want more. All right. Thank you very much, Rizzy. And uh, the last one we got here is uh, the newest one. This is for 2018. This just came to us Friday. It's titled Lots of Fun, Five Stars from Love Escaping. This is a, a nice little uh, lengthy one here. So it says, I just finished binge listening to all available episodes. That is impressive uh, that you just finished listening to them. We just recorded episode 69 that you're listening to uh, right here. So that is impressive. It always blows me away when somebody says, hey, I just binge listened 60 episodes. I'm like, wow. And I even think even the early ones, because boy, I was rough. I said, it has been a fun ride. I've loved getting to know these guys and what they love about Robin. Tim Drake, I have to admit, 
I started listening to this podcast because Tim was the Robin I knew uh, the least about, and I wanted a crash course on all things Tim. And boy, did they deliver. The host, Rob, has grown so much as a podcast host, but does a bang-up job since, but has done a bang-up job since the beginning. Thank you very much. That's very flattering. Rob and his co-hosts are so personable and take the legend of Tim Drake to heart. It's not hard to get caught up in their love for the character. It's also interesting to look at the comic Excuse me. It's it's also interesting to look into the comics world for me. I enjoy the comic, but I can't say I've ever sat down and mulled over which recent comics of Batman I have wearing the oval or not. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating look into nerddom that I am completely new to. I hope for many good years to come. I just heard about their project of making a radio drama, A Lonely Place of Living. I am really excited about that. By the way, if you need more female voice actors, I'd love to be involved. Thanks, Stephanie, for a great podcast. Uh, thanks for the great podcast. Stephanie, parentheses, not brown. Uh, Stephanie, there's no contact information here. So um, we might be looking for some stuff. So uh, speaking of contact information, you can write into the show at robineltdpodcast at yahoo.com. I forgot to say that. So there it is. We have no emails. So that would be cool to get some emails that we can read in here. So you can write into us there and uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Facebook and Twitter, uh, this is another segment that I want to do to the show about the likes and retweets into the show. So this is just going to be off the previous episodes. I won't go clear back. This is off episode. 68 where we finished up Troika. So we got a like from Anthony uh, Marino, Tim Christensen, and Al Bernardi. And I am so bad pronouncing names. I feel like I'm at work uh, getting to train somebody for the very first time and then butchering their name. I think Terrence has a, an even harder job being a teacher. Um, over on Twitter for episode 68, all right, we have six likes on episode 68, and it's from Chris at Batman Books. And uh, we have uh, one from uh, Darren Murphy, the Batman Universe, who hosts our show. Uh, Long's Box Crusades, uh, Paul Shanley, Professor Frenzy. And we have a couple, we have one retweet on the episode, and that's from Duran Murphy. So thank you for the likes and retweets and shares. Uh, we have a couple comments here. Uh, one from Duran Murphy. It is uh, just a wrestler holding his belt going, yes, yes. So very cool. And John M. Witherington comic reading problem here it says, I'm taking, I'm sorry it's taken so long, but I'm going to be going through your early episodes starting tomorrow tomorrow. So that is pretty cool. I've kind of seen where he is starting from there. So that is the end of the viewer portion. If you would like to have uh, your name read, like, retweet, and share, give us a five-star review on iTunes and email into the show because it's great to be able to interact with people that love this character and just love the Batman universe a lot. And that's where the show really becomes interactive when we can kind of imagine that we're all just sitting around a room talking about these comics that we love so much. So go ahead and, uh, send some information our way and we'll uh, chat. So thanks for listening to this episode and we will see you guys on episode 70 and keep your, Eyes and ears peeled for more information coming on the Lonely Place of Living radio drama that I am currently working on. So tentatively May, we'll see how that goes. But thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you guys on the next one. Take care. Bye.
Thanks for listening to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake Comic Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all related Batman characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for your entertainment purposes. There is no money exchanging hands at any time for any reason. I can't even find a quarter underneath my keyboard. So no infringement is intended by this show. This also applies to all music and sound clips as well. So there should be no need for you to send Lex Luthor's lawyers after us. That would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. You can now get a hold of the show in a few different ways now. The most recent is on Twitter. We are at ELTD Podcast. You can also now get a hold of us via email. It only took me two years to get one. So if you want to email in, you can do so at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And we are also on YouTube. In the search engine in YouTube, just type in Robin Everyone Loves the Drake and it'll take you to our YouTube page. And as always, you can message directly over at the Batman Universe website. So email, tweet, message us. We'd love to hear from you and we will read your comments on the air. The show that you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes, Windows Media, and over at our host site, The Batman Universe. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It will help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to thebatmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We will see you in a few weeks. Take care.